Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. As we begin our worship together today, let us pray. Son of man, you encouraged your followers to obey only your voice and promised that they would see your glorious presence. Make us aware of your glory now and teach us to obey. Amen. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 102, verses 12 through 17. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. These are appropriate scriptures for such a time as this. Wars, earthquakes, famines. Jesus doesn't mention anything about a virus, but the present spread of illness and the resulting fear and uncertainty in our society fit right into the trials of which Jesus speaks. Believe it or not, these scriptures were planned years ago as part of the three-year narrative lectionary reading cycle. And I planned on working with them and our worship service over a month ago. I found, as I often do when I work on the message that the Lord has for us this week, that the Holy Spirit is at work long before we ever know what situations we will be in. 
These scriptures already offer us the profound comfort and reassurance that the Spirit is at work, arranging our churches and our world in ways we cannot yet and may never see. But like manna each day in the wilderness, God provides in our spiritual and physical lives the nourishment that we need exactly when we need it. This manna that comes daily may not be the bread that we are used to eating as we gather and worship around the Lord's table during Lent, but the manna of these scriptures, the manna of God's blessings in our community, is exactly what is needed to get through the wilderness time. I recognize that these are strange times, which is abundantly evident, since as I speak, I cannot see your face, and as you listen, you cannot see mine or each other's. We ought to acknowledge this, being aware to stay connected to one another and to God in such a time as this. But if it is possible, I believe we also need to be thinking beyond this time of exile in the wilderness, for the world does continue. As the disciples leave the temple with Jesus in today's scripture reading out of Mark, one of them remarks on the beauty and the power of the temple in which they worship. How big are these stones? How grand the buildings? This is a feeling we're familiar with. Though we are delayed in our scheduled cleaning, we too are making plans for the beautification and, and upkeep of our worship building out of love for the place we worship. When King Josiah found the lost scroll of scripture, he set about restoring the temple space to its beauty and power. We all have been to worship buildings, like the National Cathedral, that leave us feeling awed, because through the grandeur of the space, we feel closer to the grandeur of God. Today's psalm even remarks that God knows God's people love the stones of our buildings. And the psalm doesn't say that that's wrong. We love the places in which we worship. But Jesus reminds us, every one of these stones will be thrown down. Every stone we have erected to create an air of beauty and power will crumble. Any wall built to protect us will fall. Having been to the temple in Jerusalem, or rather what remains of it, it is hard for me to imagine the western wall which stands ever falling. It is a massive wall, which still today looks as if it could never come down. People, including myself, still flock to the wall for protection and support, finding there the grandeur of God and the comfort of prayer in his presence. Never in my life have I felt the presence of God as clearly and as overwhelmingly as I did then when I stood in front of those massive temple stones. Yet every one of even those stones will be thrown down. The temple is but one place, one thing we have built out of the stones of this world. All around us, there are things in our life that seem like they won't come down, not even after thousands of years. 
governments, nations, ways of being in the world are as permanent to our short lives as the rising of the sun. Imagining an end to any one of the stable walls of our life, our nation, our market, our political beliefs, our city, it seems impossible. Many of us give our lives to these structures we have built out of stone. We serve them. We protect them. We trust that through them we are building a better world that will outlast us. We love our stones. And there is nothing wrong with the stones that we use to build. God has built us in his image, and that is as creators. But Jesus reminds us, all these man-made buildings, all of our empires, all of our plans will be thrown down. Not one of them will last forever. Not one of them answers prayers. Not one of them offers salvation. We are not to be alarmed by the crumbling of these stones. If we're honest, any actual threat of the end of our nation, our stock market, or our ideologies, any actual threat of the end of the tools that we have built up and are trying to make the world a better place, it would send us towering in fear. But Jesus tells us we are not to be alarmed. We are not to be alarmed because God is control in control. But we are also not to be alarmed because Jesus says such things must happen. These are the words that strike me and stay with me this week. Such things must happen. It is not just that God will see us faithfully through the crumbling of our man-made powers and buildings. Not just that God will give us manna in the wilderness. Though these things are true. It is also that the crumbling of our built world, the exile in the wilderness, is necessary for the salvation of the world and the healing of creation to a new fullness of life. This doesn't seem to make sense in our human minds, but war, earthquakes, hurricanes, famines, viruses, political standoffs, all of it, such things must happen. This means that there is purpose in all these things, even when we cannot see it. We may accept that these terrible evils do have purpose, but we often see the purpose simply as punishment and the execution of divine justice. But Christ says, such things must happen for the end to come. The end which brings the new Jerusalem down to earth. The end which sees Zion's stones rebuilt in the beauty of the divine community. The end in which God's presence among us is the light of our life. The end in which the praises of God never cease. Such things must happen, not just for punishment, but to bring about the full salvation of the world. Jesus and Paul both describe such things as 
labor pains? Is all of creation groaning as the process of salvation is birthed into the reality of new life? Any mother knows that the pain is inevitable and it is an unavoidable consequence of the pregnancy. But any mother also knows that through the pain comes new, glorious life. Such things must happen. Let us not be alarmed. Let us not be alarmed now in the face of such things. And when this moment of wilderness exile has passed and we are returned once more to the bread of the table in community worship, let us not be alarmed by the next such thing. Because such things always happen. War, earthquakes, famine, exile, such things happen. Our job as believers is to faithfully reflect upon and discern what new life God is bringing through these unprecedented times. If we are caught up in the human side of things, constantly with our eyes on the news, whether we be scared or angry, compliant or resistance, if we dwell on the human side, we might miss the new life that God is bringing about. We might miss the purpose for such things. So instead, let us dwell with our thoughts fixed upon God. Let us be still. Let us contemplate such things. Let us pray in the words of the Holy Spirit. For the Lord sits enthroned forever. God has a message of new life for this such time. Perhaps the message is that this world needs to slow down, needs to be quiet and reflect. Perhaps the message is that we rely too heavily on our stones for support. And we need to learn to find joy simply in the daily manna given by God. Through such things, God shows us where we are failing to live into the fullness of salvation. And through such things, God is bringing about new life for this and all such times are used for the salvation of the world. Praise be to God. Amen. And now let us pray for our church and for our world. Holy Jesus, we declare today that you are wise, loving, and just beyond our wildest imagination. Through the cross, you have given us a way to salvation, a life so full we hardly dare to accept it. Mighty Father, we know you continue to provide us manna in our daily lives, and so we pray that you would open our eyes to show us what signs of grace and blessing you are showering down on us to sustain us while we are apart. Loving Spirit, we know you were moving and working ahead of this time, through this time, and will still be working on our behalf long after this time. Thank you for all that you do. We praise your mighty name, Almighty God, three in one. 
Though we are apart, the scripture tells us that God inhabits the praises of your people. And so we offer you praise in our hearts, knowing that you are with us, uniting us, though we are apart. We confess that this time is riddled with emotions. We confess the sin of pride as we chafe against the things we cannot accept. We ask for peace. We confess the sin of fear because we have cowered away from those places where we are called to serve. We ask for courage. We need your wisdom, Lord, in this and in all times. Would you guide our congregation in the days and weeks ahead? Do not let us lose sight of our mission, but keep our feet firmly planted on your solid rock and keep our spirits enlivened by your mighty river of life. We pray for the church universal in this time, that you would work a mighty revival and that through all these digital services and the new mission opportunities, the gospel might be spread in ways we never could have foreseen. We pray for the city, state, and nation, that you would give courage, rest, and wisdom to our leaders. We pray for all who are sick worldwide and for those who are sick right here in our church. Father, we take a moment now to lift up those members of our congregation in our hearts. We pray that you would send them the doctors, the friends, and the family that they need to recover quickly and joyfully. For all of our loved ones traveling, we pray that you would bring them safely back into our midst. For any who are grieving, we pray a special prayer of grace in this difficult time that peace may be found despite the delay and memorial services. For those who are lonely, we pray that you would make us hands and feet and voices to bring light to, uh, to bring light to your love and comfort. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now go into this week with the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and goodbye.